Be Wealthy and Smart, episode 140. into a world of wealth and financial freedom without budgets, boredom, or bosses on Be Wealthy and Smart. And now, here's your host, Linda P. Jones. Welcome to Be Wealthy and Smart. I'm Linda P. Jones, America's Wealth Mentor, empowering women and men worldwide to financial freedom. On today's show, we have a fun and different topic. I often get asked about how to raise financially fit kids. And I thought it would be really fun to interview Shannon McClay from Financially Blonde and get her response to that. This is really fun. If you have kids or grandkids, you've got to listen to this. Here we go. I'm so excited to have Shannon McClay today from Financially Blonde on the show. How are you, Shannon? I'm fantastic, Linda. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here. And one of the topics that we're going to talk about today that I get asked about a lot is how to raise a financially fit kid. So I'm really excited to get the tips from you and hear how you're doing it in your own life. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm one of those people I say all the time, I didn't hear about money from my parents. And I actually recorded a podcast episode a while back with my dad about, uh, it was a Father's Day episode. So it was a year ago now. And I asked him specifically, I'm like, Dad, you know, you never talked to me about money. Why not? And he said, well, I just didn't think you needed to know about it. Like that was the mentality. And I've talked to my mom separately. My parents are divorced. And my mom said, well, I didn't know anything about money. So I felt like I had nothing to share with you. Like, <laughs> you know, like, I, I mean, I could tell you everything that not to do. So they had different, different philosophies of why not to talk to me as a kid about money. But at the end of the day, neither of them talked to me about money. And I had to learn a lot of times the hard way. And now as a parent and financial planner, I have a 10-year-old son and and I talk about money every single day of my life with my clients and and I talk about it with my kid and I see the difference it makes and I I'm an advocate of it. I feel like financial literacy starts in the home and there's a, a right way to do it and um and so I love talking about it. I agree with you. Financial literacy starts in the home. I love that's a tweet. That's a tweetable quote. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So were you an only child? Uh, no, this is the funny thing. So, well, my parents had me and my brother, and I, I always love this by telling this story because I remember at my college graduation sitting with my you know now divorced parents, and I was 22 at the time, and laughing at the fact that by the time they were my age, they were pregnant with their second child, uh, me. They had my brother, and then they had me. So my mom, you know, I'm graduating college. I have not a lot of cares in the world, and you know, my mom had almost two kids, and my dad was in medical school. And by the time I was two, they were divorced, and I'm not shocked about that reality. But they had me and my brother, and then my mom got remarried and had three other girls and my dad got remarried and had two other girls. So I have one brother and five sisters and it's just amazing. We had all these kids and yeah, none of us had a really strong um, foundation in financial literacy. Well, the reason I asked is because when your dad said he didn't think you needed to know, I was wondering, is that because you were female and did he treat your brother differently? Did he talk to him about money? 
No, he didn't talk to my brother about we we both talk about it and it's interesting we both had different issues with money because of it and I, I think it was just I think uh, to defend my dad cuz I'm not throwing him under the bus uh, to defend him I think it's just one of those like old school protective dad things you know like I got it covered you know uh, don't worry yeah. about money like it's not an issue for you be a kid and I hear this a lot with my clients well I just want my kid to be a kid I don't want to have them to worry about money choices and I appreciate that perspective, but it's, I, I think you're not depriving your child of a childhood by allowing them, you know, knowledge into the financial workings of a household. You're, you're actually really helping them. And, you know, you're not, they're not less of a child because they know more about money. And, you know, so my dad's defense, it was just, that was just an old school father protective, like, don't worry about money kind of thing. Yeah, I get it now. I do. Yeah. And I agree with you. I think that we can do so much more for our kids by teaching them about money. I can't tell you the number of very wealthy people that I find out they were educated about money, experienced with money at a very young age. Mm-hmm. A lot of them had paper routes. A lot of yep. millionaires that I meet had paper routes, which, you know, I would love to do a, stu- a study on that and see if yeah. there's some <laughs> scientific correlation between having a paper route and you know, or being an entrepreneur at a young age and being a millionaire later on in life, because it seems like the earlier they can get experience with money, the better off they are. Well, I think I, it's funny you say that. I think it's more of like a work ethic kind of thing. The And for me, I ha, I started working when I was 14 and it was more out of necessity than desire. You know, it was like my, because we had so many kids running around the place. My mom said, if you want anything, you have to work for it. And I started working at 14 and I'm 38 now and I haven't stopped working and I say I'll work as long and I enjoy work. And I always say, I'm never going to have issues with money for any kind of period of time because I'm not afraid of hard work. And I learned that at 14. I think that's kind of the lesson you learn with the paper route, with anything. There is... There is value in working and understanding that the effort you put in has a monetary result. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an ultimate teacher is obviously working. Yeah. And I was the same way where my parents would say, if you want something, you have to work for it and earn it. Mm-hmm. I wasn't handed a lot. I knew I could make money by weeding, pulling weeds in the yard, by, you know, doing things. I never got an allowance. Everything was... You do this, you get paid. You don't yeah. do that, you get nothing. <laughs> yeah, it's reality, right? I mean, we we know as adults now, like that's how the world works, right? I mean, you yeah, know, if I were some yeah, I gotta parents work. though, give so much to their kids. I mean, it's they're great. giving them the new car at graduation. I've got a friend that's paying for her kids, you know, rent on his apartment and a spending allowance, and I'm like, wow. People wonder why kids have entitlement issues. It's it, it all starts at home, right? Yeah. You say you're entitled to that for for what? What did you do to earn that? I mean, and it's a really sad lesson. That's for your and 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 this way they talk a lot about a lot of millennials are my clients, and they talk about this depression side of it because they were given so much by their parents and this entitlement was created and then they get into the quote real world and they realize it's not like that they have to work and and they don't understand how it works and I never blame the kids you know people get angry at millennials or have those millennial backlash it's not their fault it is not their problem it was what was taught to them and that was what they learned and it and again it starts it starts from the home mm-hmm 
All right. Well, let's talk about the the positive things that we can do to raise yes. financially fit kids. So, what what's your first tip for people? Yeah, I mean, number one is say no. Right. That's that. It sounds really basic and easy. And I know we all know as parents, it's really hard to say no to our children. I always tell my clients financial fitness, financial well-being is a really basic, basic model. It's earn more and say earn more and pay less, you know, and um, very basic model. And but if it was really that easy, you know, we'd have a lot of millionaires running around. And what's hard about financial wellness and financial fitness is the emotional component. And there is nothing more emotional in our lives than our children. There is nothing more emotional. I mean, you know, I I joke with my son. I'm like, I, if somebody were to hurt him, like we've been in situations where somebody looks at him the wrong way or says something the wrong way, and I am a I consider myself a rational uh, human being, and um, I'm nonviolent, and you know, I'm all of these things. But if somebody looks at my son the wrong way, I I feel like I could kill them with my bare hands. You know, like, and I we joke about. I laugh with my son. I'm like, I could literally strangle that person with my bare hands and not think anything of it. That's how emotional children get. And so when you throw emotion in that, it's just so hard to, to make smart money choices. And intuitively, we want to say yes to our kids all the time, either A, because we want them to have more than we had, or B, we want them to shut up um, and leave us alone, or you know, C, it's just the easier approach. But at the end of the day, the best thing you can do for your kid is say no. And say no often and say it all the time. You know, they they have to understand that you know that that they that there is a, a response that that it's not always yes it's not always affirmative and and it's hard i mean i've had i've my son's 10 now and i've had plenty of meltdowns when he was 2 3 in the in the aisle in target you know i want to get this and you're like no and it's like ah! you know and you're like the worst every mother's ever. nightmare yeah and you're like great i've got that kid now and the problem that happens a lot is that like you'll go through that so much and then at one point you'll say yes and i remember reading this one time it was like you have to say no and you you always have to win because you they might ask 15,000 times and if you and you say no 15,000 times if they ask 15,001 and you say yes well now you've just trained them right they they just have to keep asking enough and you will say yes so no is probably the best thing you can ever say to your kid, um, and, it, and, I, and I'm speaking from experience. It's not easy. It sounds, it's easier said than done. But saying no to things and ex- experiences or whatever that's that's probably the number one thing you can do with your kids. So growing up in my family, we had something called the jelly bean count. Mm-hmm. Because we had five kids, and my mother would literally count the jelly beans in each Easter basket, so we all got the same amount. Because How she, fair and equitable of her. Yes, because she was afraid that somebody you would, find would say out. they yeah, got more, you know, of course. Yeah, exactly. You would find the inequality before she would. Exactly. And so oh. it, it sort of spilled over into everything about kids. But here's the thing that sort of got me, and this goes back to your saying no. What if you have a child that is, you know, really excels at something? I mean, maybe you have a gymnast who is mm-hmm. going to qualify for the Olympics And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, you can say no, but maybe, you know, they have some special talent that you need to say yes. So how do you deal with 
well, when to say no and when to say yes. It's perfect. That goes into my second tip is to say when you do say yes or when you do that, have a, a budget and a constraint around the yeses, right? Like if they if they have this talent and they and my son plays soccer and we um, he just made this this travel team, this premier travel team, and we're so excited until we got the bill for how much the travel <laughs> team costs, and I was like, holy! Um, Can you tell and, us how much it was? Oh yeah, so it was it's twenty seven hundred dollars. Um wow. and before that, so to give perspective on the very low level of the town team, that was two hundred dollars a year to play soccer. So we're like fine, whatever. Then last year he made kind of the next level of town team. That was eight hundred dollars. And we thought, okay, like but he made the team and he's progressing and, and, and literally this is the only sport he plays and he loves it. So I want to support his passions. And then this year he you know he tried out for a few different premier teams and he really wanted to make this one and we were so excited for him and he tried out and then we get the things $2700 and you're like oh my god um so how do we we talked to him about that so we give you give budgets you give parameters and they need to understand that I want to support his goals and I'm all about that but he needs to understand that it comes at a cost to us and our family and and we talked about that so he's 10 now so when we got when he made it, it was like, yay, we did all the celebration. And then it was like, you understand that saying yes to this means a very big financial commitment to us. Um, he's 10 and he's at the point he's actually contributed now. So he said that he would help That's pay and ask. we let him. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So he said he would help pay and we, um, we are letting him. So he's, you know, he's contributing a hundred dollars. I feel like you know, it's another lesson in their kids need to have, you know, skin in the game. They need to understand uh, that, that there is, there is ramifications for their costs. And, and yeah, part of me is like, oh, I just want to give it to him. But the other part wants me, him to understand that like where we are supporting him and we're a family and we'll make it work. He needs to understand that it's, it's a huge financial commitment. So they need to understand budgets and, and limitations because yes, there are times to say yes, but we can't say yes infinitely um, for any number of reasons. And, and there will come a point that, that it will impact, that it impacts your family budget and the kids need to know. And we we talked to him about that. We told him when he the eight hundred dollar team. We said, you know, just FYI, this is a larger commitment than last year. And you know, we don't want to get, we don't want to hear anything about you not want to go to practice, you not going to games. Like you know, this is this is a commitment in a lot of different ways. And so, um, so I think you know, yes, I, I agree in saying yes. I think kids need to understand what yes means, and. And then also, if it is a yes to something, to give them a budget. So if if you do want to indulge in something, like to buy them sneakers or allow them to have something, well, then you have to say, okay, yeah, I'm going to buy you, um, you know, a new toy or those sneak a sneaker, you know, new sneakers or new outfit. But I'm only going to spend thirty dollars. You know, or I'm only going to spend $50 on a toy or $10 on a toy. So you can get whatever you want for $10. You can't, and that, that, you know, that, that actually helps them to make their decisions. You know, it's like, not like we're going to go to Target and yeah, you can pick out a toy. Say you can pick out a toy under $10. And, and what's great about that is giving them that budget is like all of a sudden you see them, they look, they're like, oh, this is $29.99. Yeah, I can't get that. Or this is, you know, whatever, $15.99. It's like, nope, 
that, you know, I said 10, that's it. 10 is your budget. And, and now I see my son doing this. Actually, we were the other day, we were going to get something and I didn't have to tell him the budget thing. And he just started looking at something that was in this like 2999 range. And I saw him say, Oh no, that's too much. You know, like, I don't need that. The more you do these things, the better and easier it gets. Uh, yeah. You know, I promise. And it's like, I always tell people, start early, start often. The the more you have these conversations and the earlier you start having them, it really does become a more of a behavior. You, you, you're developing behaviors. And now I started when my son was five, having a lot of these conversations and he's 10 now. And it's like, he just gets it automatically, you know, well, like. Yeah. And well, I think what parents don't realize is that if you don't set that budget, you know, that price tag doesn't have any meaning to a child. It's, none. it's just yeah. numbers on a tag and it's yeah. different numbers and it doesn't have any, they don't nothing. correlate that to how many hours it takes for you to work to earn that money. Widgets. Yeah. You had to build. I mean, yeah. like, you know that Linda and you've seen it. I've seen it. It's like the parents who give the kids the credit card or the debit card and they're like, here you go. And I've seen this with my clients. They have no idea how much a Starbucks costs, you know, or they have no idea how much whatever they're, they're, dinner's costs because the parents pay the bills, you know, because there is no budget. There is no set. They don't get it. They don't get a, uh, oh, your card was declined, you know, because there's insufficient funds because the parents are just constantly putting money in there. And again, I get the desire to do that. We all want our kids to have a better life than we had, but we're not giving them a better life by not educating them on the value and the cost of things because everything has a price tag and and they need to understand that. And you know, and again, I, five years into this, I see my son, he'll be like, oh no, I don't need to spend that. Or there was something that happened. I told him I was going to buy this thing for him. Oh, I it was a fundraiser at the school and I said, you can get a t-shirt from it. And I know it supported the school and I knew what the cost was. And I said, fine. It was like $25 for a t-shirt, which, but I know most of it goes to the school. So I said, you can get a t-shirt. He looked at the the list. He's like, oh my God, $25 for a t-shirt sounds crazy. And <laughs> I loved him so much in that moment, uh-huh. realizing, you know, that he realized, you know, that, that a t-shirt should cost less than $25. And I just love that he had that awareness. And I said, no, this is a fundraiser. We have it in the budget. It's fine. You know, $25 is fine. And here's but, what I think goes wrong with parents is that we have learned the lesson as adults, how much mm-hmm. money means to us. And so when we have children, people say, oh, I'm going to be such a good person to not have my child have to worry about that or look at this price or think about those things. But without the child getting that base knowledge that we have, they can't really appreciate the fact that you're giving them something for free because they don't know what it means to earn it. So when we're as parents saying, I'm a good guy or gal because I'm giving my kids something for free. We can appreciate it only because we have a sense of what it takes to earn it, but they can't appreciate it because there's no baseline. I know. And when are they going to get that? Who are and, they going to get it from? Yeah. And that's they the gotta difference get it from <laughs> is, is, the, is the parents think they're doing something great, but they're really not because they haven't given the kids the ability to appreciate the way that we do because they, right. they don't have that knowledge. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And again, I'm not saying any of this is easy and I'm not saying you won't, you know, regret. You'll just want, I mean, I understand the desire to, you know, have your kids not quote, worry about money or have these kind of issues. And, and I get that, but it, you're really depriving them of a very important learning process. And what I say is you're, you're doing it in the home gives them this great comforting bubble of love to experience it in versus the reality of the real world, you know, when they're 22 graduating college and they can't pay their bills because, you know, they're, they spend too much and they have no idea. Like the, the bad, big, bad, crazy world, like that's the bad, that's not where you don't want them to learn this. You want them to learn it while you still have them in this lovely, loving cocoon of your home where you can, you know, give them this, this experience and this education, um, before there's, you know, there's so many other challenges when they get out of the, the yes. cocoon. And I see my nephews have so much fun with money. I mean, it's just so cute to watch them save it and, you know, have a goal that they want to spend the money on and put it all in the bank or put it all in a little glass jar and just be so cute with it, you know, but they can get good with it. I mean, they they get pretty sharp. It's like any skill and they really appreciate it. And that's another tip that I have. People say, well, what's the best way to teach your kids about money? The ultimate teacher of financial literacy and money is cash. It is the the best teacher and the planet for money. And for I say this for kids and adults. Cash is the greatest teacher. My son started getting around like four or five, getting money from family members for birthdays or things like that. And he had a baggie of money, like a sandwich baggie. He still has a sandwich, the same sandwich baggie. It's five years old. Like I, we've tried wallets and other things, but the baggie seems to work. So he's got this sandwich baggie and, um, and it started with a few, few dollars in it. And I, when he was five, it, we'd be like, okay, do you have the money? And he would go and he could count the money. So it was a good, like, math lesson, you know, money lesson. He could count it, he could count the change. Like he would see it come and go. And and being able to say like, oh, can you get this toy? And counting that cash and knowing he could or couldn't do it. Um, that was a huge, that's a huge teacher. And um, and again, seeing the results of when he uses, spends the money and then, oh, there's not that much in the baggie. <laughs> and, you know, he could see it and count it and touch it and feel it. And that is the, that that's the ultimate teacher. And I think where parents go wrong so frequently is they hand over debit cards and credit cards and say, here you go for, you know, whatever you need kind of thing. And they don't put limitation. They have, and the kids have no idea how much is in the account or how much can I spend? They just swipe and like there's, it's a mindless swiping thing. And if you gave your kid $20 a week or whatever, some kind of, you know, cash in hand and they went and got McDonald's or whatever, and that cost them $5, well, you know, then they know, okay, God, I only have $15 left. Like I got to make different choices now because... I only $15 and I know my parents are not giving me another 20 until Sunday or whatever. And, and it's amazing how it changes their mindset and the choices. You know, I've had my son say he wants to buy something. I'm like, great, you can buy it. It's going to cost you X dollars. And we go to the baggie. He takes out X dollars, you know, to kind of imagine his life without it. And then he figures out how much he has left. And I said, how do you feel about that? Like, do you still feel good about spending 
the whatever, let's just say $50. Do you still feel good about that now that you see you only have $100 left? Or do you want to just keep the 50 and wait until there's something that will feel better? And again, I, there's so many lessons around the cash. And it's, it's, to me, it's the number one teacher for financial literacy. Other than parents, it's cash. So make them use cash is number three. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How about tip number four? Uh, this is the hardest one. You've got to let them have failures. Um, and I know as a parent, it's so hard watching your kids fail. It's like we can all handle our own failures. And I am a type A overachiever. I don't like to fail, period. But um, I really have a difficult time watching my son. But they need to have that. They need to experience. And I always say in this cocoon, this home, what the, the world we're giving them to help them teach them about money, we have to make it as real life as possible. So so going to the baggie, my, my son has saved all this money and around five he was on a real big lego kick and he wanted to buy all these lego things and and every time we went somewhere he's like i want to buy this i'm like okay great use your money so um he did he bought all these lego sets and finally like the last lego set i said well you know you're not going to have any money after this it's going to be everything and he's like that's okay that's what i want i said okay great and so he did it there was literally change left in the baggie and um, a month or so later, he wanted to buy something. I said, well, remember, you don't have anything in your baggie anymore. And he was like, what? You know, this, like, how did that happen? And like, I had no idea how it happened, even though, you know, he, he knew how it happened. He had the biggest meltdown. He was so sad, tears, like all this stuff. And at that moment, I just, I really wanted to comfort him and tell him, oh, you can have, you know, I'll, I'll pay you or whatever. But I didn't. I let him have the failure and have the breakdown and have that emotional drama of like realizing he had nothing left. And from that point on, he changed his ways. Like he, he started making different decisions. It was like, he didn't have to buy everything. You know, he realized that he had to make choices. And now he's like I said, he's 10 and he's, he's got over, he's got, he's opened, he has two different investment accounts. We just started the investing process this year. And, um, and that's a whole other thing. And, and like the, the lessons, the financial lessons grow as the kids grow, but, and, and their money grows. But he's at the point he has, I think, over, uh, he has over $2,000 now. I think he's approaching 2500 At um, 10 years old. At 10 years old. Wow. And, and he was at, five years ago, he was at zero. <laughs> you know, he's at rock bottom. <laughs> and and he, he says, this, my son was actually on my podcast as well. And we talked about this. And I said, do you remember how you had nothing? He's like, yeah, I was really sad. And I said, you know, what happened? He's like, I decided I need to save more. And so, you know, we all, like as parents, we want our kids, we want to help our kids. We don't want to see them fail. We want them to have all the successes and joys in life. But we learn so much more in our failures than we do in our successes. And we need to let our kids have money failures. Um, and as early and often as possible to, again, like going back to the cocoon, it's so much easier for him to have lost that money at five than it will be for him to lose, you know, that, thousand dollars when he's 22 or 23 or something like that. And, and it stuck with him. He's, and he's learned from it and it was a hard lesson and it was hard for me to stand by and watch him have it, but he has to have it. He, failure is is part of everybody's life. And I think uh, financially we have to allow our kids to have financial failures and almost like encourage it if you can. (laughs) I mean, I knew he was heading down the road. I let him, I could have stopped him. I could have said no. Um, but I, 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 that, but, I wanted him yeah. to understand. Well, look how that was the turning point. 
I mean, yeah. that was a turning point to him having success. And so many times we want to try to protect them from the failures, but that's the very thing that's going to propel them and teach them the lesson that is going to change their life. And yeah. what a great success story that he has $2,500 in his investment account, no less. Yeah. <laughs> Not just his bank account, but his investment account, which yeah. I want to talk about too, but yeah, we'll I want to make sure we get, that. yeah, I want to make sure we get through all these, but, um, but wow, that is fantastic. Yeah, we joke sometimes. I tell him, and it makes, and it's a source of pride for him. I'm like, well, you have more money than some of my clients. <laughs> and he's like, oh, that makes me feel good. You know, I'm like, they make $200,000 a year and they couldn't scrounge together $2,500. That's true. So, that's true. So, yes, that yeah. is. Yep. All right. So, what's number five? So, uh, number five is to make them responsible for their wants. So, um, uh, you know, again, we we want to give our kids everything. We we really only have a we have to feed them, clothe them, and and give them a home. Other than that, everything is a want, and we have this as adults. You know, we have needs and wants, and as parents, we need to cover the needs, and then we have to really allow our kids to um, to be responsible for their wants as much as possible. So, you know, I remember one time that, um, you know, my son wanted this angry bird, uh, this big angry bird thing. It was a, the, uh, the stuffed animal and, um, it was a hundred dollars. And I said, okay, I'm, you know, you know, an angry bird is like, I don't need to spend a hundred dollars on the angry bird. I said, you're more than welcome to spend the hundred dollars on the angry bird. And when he had to went to the baggie and realized that it was one of those things, he's like, maybe I don't need the angry bird so much, you know? And he ended up asking Santa for the angry bird, but, but all, but when you make them responsible for these wants, like, first of all, you're not saying you don't love them. They get it. And, and they, then you make them understand, like, is it really something I want? Is it like worth a hundred dollars or maybe it's not, it's, of course it's, it's, you want it all the time if you're not paying for it. Right. I mean, we all want, if it's free, I'll take three. I tell people like, of course I want it if I don't have to pay for it. But if you have to pay for it, all of a sudden you have a different perspective of, uh, of what you want. And, you know, as much as possible, you need to make your kids pay for those wants. And, you know, again, it's like we, as parents, we want, oh, I, he wants an angry bird. I should give it to him. And it's like, why? Yeah, you don't really need to give it. He doesn't need angry. It's not a need. You know, it's like you're feeding them, you're clothing them, you're doing enough. If it's something they really want, then they have to pay for it themselves and they have to figure out how they're going to get the money and how they're going to pay for it. And, you know, again, it's just, these are the decisions we have to make as adults. Like we all, we all want a lot of things, but if we can't afford them, we can't work it in our budget, then, then it doesn't, the want goes away. And, um, and so I think you have to try to help kids decide or, you know, determine the difference between needs and wants and you cover all their needs and they need to cover as much as their wants as possible. I like that. All right. How about number six? Uh, this is what we talked about earlier with the bike routes, with um, with the jobs. They need to earn their money. I mean, that, that they just have to find. You have to find a way to teach them that they need to work at, to for whatever they want for the money that they're going to get. And like you were saying, Linda, you didn't have a um, an allowance. You had to do certain tasks and make money for it. This is how life works, right? We're not we're not all just given money from our employer just because we show up and you know we're nice people. We have to do specific tasks to make money. And we need to teach our kids that they need to do specific things to make money and create as much of a 
process like that, like I said, back in the home cocoon as possible where they can understand that. So, you know, my, my son has a rewards chart where he, if he does certain things like, and it's like, it's a grid. If he, you know, makes his bed, puts his clothes away, you know, he gets points for everything and the points translate to dollars. So, 50 points equals $5. And he knows like that if he wants something, going back to the wants, if he wanted that angry bird, well then he, and he's looked at his chart and said this, like, okay, if I want this, this $100 item, then I'm going to have to make my bed 20 times. I'm going to have to <laughs> do the dishes 15 times. I'm going to have to do the, and, and he, can figure out how much it's going to take for him to get that want that he wants or to, to earn the money that he wants. And that's exactly what we have in real life. I mean, you have to create a system, whether it's chores around the house, whether it's activities with school, whether it's whatever, you know, whether it's actually making them get a job, they need to learn what it's like, what it means to earn. Um, because that's just reality. Nobody's going to give our kids handouts when they graduate and to get a job. They're going to have to do a specific job and tasks and earn that. I've I had friends or clients who have bonus systems, you know, like in place, which I think is awesome because as somebody who has a background in financial services, you know, the bonus process is awesome. So if you do above and beyond, you can make even more and, you know, create as the earning process as much as real life as possible. And it's up to them if, you know, I, and I had that with my son. I'm like, okay, you want the hundred dollars here? You you know your chart. You know how you can do it. Here's your path. Figure it out. And either he'll do it. And sometimes he hasn't. Sometimes he's like, oh my god, it's going to take all that. Forget it. Yeah, <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yeah, because and, you're really teaching them the worth. And like you said, that they can figure it out and figure out how to earn it. You know, I, as a child, I was, you know, given a fair amount. You know, at Christmas and things like that. I probably couldn't tell you many of the toys that I had by memory, but I can tell you that when my mother said, you're going to have to pay for half of your 10 speed bike, Mm -hmm. I remember that. And I Mm -hmm. remember that bike and I remember loving that bike and paying for half of it and how much I treated it differently because I had bought half of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I was going to say partial payments, just as good, you know, like Mm -hmm, some, mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be a hundred percent, but the skin in the game, the contribution, the, the work, it definitely, it, 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 it translates, it transcends that, that item, that purchase, that thing, it really does for them. Yeah. It teaches them the matching program, kind of like your 401k and your employer. Exactly. (laughs) Get them ready for that. Exactly. I said all these things happen in in the real world. That's right. Exactly. You are. You're giving them the real world experience and that's so important. All right. So what's the last one, Shannon? Okay. My last one is to allow them to participate in family financial decisions. So this is kind of a hop up topic. It's amazing. It's in 20, we're 2016 and money is still a taboo topic and it's still a taboo topic in people's homes. And I just, again, as somebody who doesn't make money taboo in my home, I I'm so thankful for it. And I wish more people would kind of let it go. So as, as parents, we think, okay, like my dad, Oh, you don't, you didn't need to know about that. Like we got it covered. We're paying the mortgage. We're paying this. We're paying that. Well, kids need to know the decisions you're making as parents and how that's impacting that. And you, you as parents, whether you're married or you're single parent, you have to make choices for your household every single day. 
you know, whether or not you buy a certain brand of food or, you know, what, what temperature you keep your air on because that'll impact the utilities or how much you pay for rent or your mortgage. You're making all these decisions and as much as you possibly can, you should include your child in that. And again, just like with the other lessons, they will grow. The involvement will grow as the child grows. So, you just have to think about when it's appropriate for them. I've got friends who, you know, as for their kids who are in high school, they literally have them participate in the family budget, you know, conversation because they know their kids are going to be doing a budget and they lay it all out and the kids see it, you know, okay, we pay this much for this and this much for that. And it's completely full disclosure for me with my son. We had, um, we were looking at this in my town. There's this gym that everyone belongs to and everybody is going to. I live in a part of New York where it's like, it's like the, I think people waste their money in this gym. But um, so everybody goes there. All of his friends go there or it seems like that. And we were going to this other gym and I, and we got this free session to check it out. So we all go to check it out and um, and then we sit down with the person. We let our son sit down and she tells us all the, the, the cost. And so we're paying a hundred dollars a month for the one gym and this was going to cost us 300. And so uh, afterward we went home and we sat at the table and we said, you know, well, come, you know, sit with us. We're going to think about this. I said, does this make sense? Like, what do you think? Do you think this gym had so much more? Because he knew the gym we were going to. I said, do you think it has like $200 more a month of of things? And does it really make sense for us to make this move? And because we could do it, we could afford it, but does it make sense for us? And, you know, we had him like asked him and I said, what else could we do with $200? You know, and he's like, we could save that and we could go on a trip one day. And I'm like, yeah, like we could save $200 a month and go to, you know, whatever, Disney World in a few months, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. you show them the comparisons you're going through. And, and it was funny at the end of it, he's like, oh my God, I, why would we waste our money on that gym? <laughs> and I'm like, I know that's what the, the conclusion I'm getting to. And we just, it, we allowed him to kind of figure out, you know, participate in that. And, and it, you know, and, and then it's interesting because it not only taught him, but then it took away the bitching of why don't we go to that gym? Mm-hmm, you know, because mm-hmm. uh, we never heard that again. Why don't we? Why don't we belong like such and such and such? It was like, oh, I totally get it. You know, like we're we're we just have different choices. You know, we're making in our yeah. We've, we've thought that through and seen that yeah. it doesn't make sense for us. Yeah, yeah. I love that. You know, another variation on that is. Uh, Allowing your children to help with your giving at the end of the mm-hmm. year, so with your charitable giving, and this is something that families involve their kids and help them decide who who's going to receive money from them and mm-hmm. um, and that kind of thing. So that's uh, we make variation. that's the other yeah that's the other thing we do make our child give at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, we go to church and I said, how much are you putting in, in particular, <laughs> to the collection plate? Because, you know, and and it's funny, the first time he we said this, as his baggie grew back after he <laughs> recovered from the zero, I said, you know, how much are you going to give? And at first it was like, what? You know, <laughs> whoa. And I was like, well, you have a lot and you're given a lot. And to those who much is given, much is expected. And I said, you have to give back. And, um, and so, you know, he said it was kind of a fight the first time. And the last few years, it's like he's increased it himself, you know. And actually, uh, for my um, 
my husband's birthday recently, my son was like, he heard about this thing about giving, uh, it's called heifer.org, I believe, where you could give like gifts of like animals to communities, you know, chickens oh, or yes, peas or that. Yeah. That and he heard so about amazing. this at school and he said, I want to get daddy a goat. And, um, cause you could give a goat <laughs> to a uh-huh. family and they could use it for the milk and for the meat, all this stuff. And I said, okay. And, um, and he, and it's funny. So he, and my, my mom was saying too, like, oh yeah, I want to contribute too. Cause it was $120. And, and my son's never paid that much for his dad's birthday gift. You know, I, usually supplement most of it. But he, we went home. He said, I'm going to do the goat. My mom said, I'll share it with you. He went to his baggie. He took out $60 and happily gave $60. And he was so excited. He got his dad a goat for his birthday. And um, yeah. And any, t- any way you can. So it was really t- in his dad's name, right? And it went to yeah. somebody else in a foreign it country. It went to a yeah. family in another country. Yeah. yeah. We don't have a goat in our backyard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right, just yeah, it's, it's, it's somewhere uh, overseas uh, with a family who needs a goat. But um, but it was just, I think, again, it, the whole every every financial lesson you teach your kids really only means anything if they understand uh, the bigger, greaterness of life. So yeah, definitely giving back is a huge part of that. I love that. Oh, he sounds like a, just a great young man. So how did you get him to love yeah. it? <laughs> how did so, yeah, you get invest- him to invest it? Yeah. Going back to, I love it, Linda. You're like, we're not going to forget the investing. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> <laughs> so as his baggie built up, we because and people say, oh, he doesn't have it in a bank account. Fine, judge me, whatever. But he earns zero in the bank account anyway. The baggie works for us. So his baggie was growing though, and I said, well, you're getting to the point where you're earning zero on your baggie, and what what are we going to do. And so we started talking about investing and, um, and you know, he's, he was, he was nine when we started, he was sort of getting it. And I said, you know, we're getting the concept. I said, well, if we take, and and we took the cash out, I said, if, if we take this $10 and we buy a stock in 10 years and, and he had a hundred dollar bill, I said, in 10 years, it'll be this. You know, it's a hundred dollar bill, and I said, uh, "Okay, for anybody who's listening to this, like for full disclosure, none of these numbers, like I didn't run the numbers. This was for pure, like example only, um, and I don't have a specific stock that I recommended to him. But it was just for example. I said, so so showing him the ten dollars becoming the hundred dollars, and I said that's what investing will do for for your money that's in the bag, and um, and so he like he got it like that like he was like, oh wow, yeah, I definitely want the hundred over the ten, and I said, and you don't have to do anything. You know, you just let it work for you and you let that company, you know, work for you. And so, so then we, he, he liked that. We agreed, we agreed a portion of his money. And I said, we don't take it all. Like, you know, you, you'll have your spending money, but we'll take a portion of it. And then I had him pick what stocks he likes and he needed some guidance on this. And I think, you know, it's, and then individual stocks really help kids learn too, because they get it. So he picked Nike because he's into soccer and he likes their soccer cleats. And he picked Dunkin' Donuts because he goes there frequently. And, um, and he picked those two to start with. And, you know, I said, okay, well, so we started with Nike and, and, uh, Dunkin' Donuts and he, um, and then he like had some extra money that went into an ETF he doesn't really know about. <laughs> um, <laughs> we got a little more diversification. So 
now he's seen, he's seen that it's gone up. I'm like, Will, you know, that $500 is now, you know, 520 or whatever. And I said, and I said, Will, you just, you know, we, the dividends, like Dunkin' Donuts pays a dividend. And he, I said, you just got an extra, you got, you know, X dollar, X cents <laughs> this month from Dunkin' Donuts. And, um, and, and now he'll go to Dunkin' Donuts. He's, I'm like, Will, you're, you're a part of this. And he actually, after... After uh, the holidays, he, he built up again. And I said, what else do you want to buy? And we had just seen the Star Wars movie. And I said, well, you know, Disney owns Star Wars. And we were talking about how there would be other movies in the future. They're, they're going to do a few more after this one. And he's like, oh, I bet Disney would be a great investment then because this movie was great and they're going to do a few more movies. And I said, yes, I agree. And so he bought some Disney shares. And then we went to Disney World um, just recently, a few months after he bought the Disney stock. And I said to him, I said, we were at the standing in line. I said, Will, you own this much of this park. <laughs> you know, it was like a very small square. And he's like, yeah, I do. I have like, and he's getting that. He's getting the idea of like being an equity owner. I'm like, you have this much of Disney. You can say I own this little itty bitty square of Disney of this park. And he like had this pride in it. He was really excited about it. And, um, and yeah, and now, you know, I told, and I told him, I said, don't look at your account every day. We're not going to look at it. And we look at, we review it. We just, tell him what it is like every few months or so like every every six months I'm like okay it's this now and he's like really like you know I mean I said I told him when the market went down the beginning year I'm like okay like it went down I said but you still own the same exact shares you still own the same amount of the company it's just a bad time in the market right now and and it's just like what I'm seeing with the investing thing too is like it is again just like cash is a great teacher actually and I would say this to my clients the best way to understand investing is to actually do it mm-hmm. and and he's getting that now and at 10 he gets he got the concept that he owns a small part of you know the Dis, like Walt Disney you know the Disney World Park I mean and he gets that he owns a very small part like he doesn't have that much but he's a part of it you know and he's a part of like the larger process and and it makes him proud to, to do that he's He's like, whenever, like we went to Dunkin' Donuts one time and he's like, I'm supporting my investment. I said, yes, <laughs> you are supporting your investment. You know? <laughs> I love it that he gets the concept of stock ownership with this whole lesson. And I love the fact that you're teaching him about fluctuation because that's one of the things that's hardest for investors to really get comfortable with. Because yeah. if they see their account balance down, as you know, sometimes they freak out and they want to sell and so you're really teaching him, you know, how to be comfortable with the fluctuating balance and seeing that it's not always going to be up month after month. And sometimes there's a big downturn and sometimes yeah. there's a big upturn. Yeah, but he still likes Nike. He yeah. still likes, he still goes to Dunkin' Donuts. He still went to Disney World. He's still going to go see the next Star Wars movie. So, you know, he's, and we talk about that. He This is a long-term move from and the money he knows that's invested is not money he's going to touch. So everything that's in the baggie is his, you know, short-term bucket and every he knows when it gets sent to the investment account he's not going to see it. It's gone. And um, you know, just like anybody who invests should think about that too. Yeah. Well, he might be ready for my podcast what makes stocks go up. That's <laughs> <laughs> That's my secret weapon for people if they really want to know how to buy stocks. Well, Shannon, this has been so great. I just really have loved talking with you. And these seven tips are amazing. Plus this bonus. We got the bonus tip about Plus investing with your yeah, child. Our, this is yeah, awesome. bonus tip. <laughs> I love it. I think your son is not only lucky to have you as a mom, but... 
especially, uh, you know, to learn how to handle his finances at 10 years old and to have the success that he has already. I'm just so excited to see what he does financially as well as otherwise with his life. So Shannon, tell us how can people get a hold of you if they want to learn more and tell us about your podcast as well. Yeah, absolutely. So if people want to read me or hear my podcast, uh, they can go to my blog site, Financially Blonde, and that's financially-blonde.com. I have my blog posts as well as my podcast episodes. But My podcast is called Martinis and Your Money, and that's available on iTunes and um, and Stitcher and all those other places where you can download um your uh, podcast. And then uh, my company is called The Financial Gym and that you can check us out at financialgym.net. And that's where I'm doing the day-to-day work and grind of working out people's money issues and I, and um, helping them make smarter money choices. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at, at blonde underscore finance or at The Financial Gym. I love it. And that's Jim like G-Y-M. Jim, yeah, working out your money. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you've shown us how to do that today. Thank you so much for being on the show, Shannon. Thanks for having me, Linda. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to Be Wealthy and Smart with Linda P. Jones. Share the wealth and tell your family and friends about the show. Check out our website, blog, and social media for more riches at www.bewealthyandsmart.com.